Praise God. It's good to be in Pueblo here this morning with you. And um, why don't we just turn and shake somebody's hand and say, I'm glad to be here. Find a visitor and shake their hand and make yourself friendly to them. Praise the Lord. I am going to uh, ask the sound man for a little bit more monitor. Uh, the last two weeks I have been struggling with laryngitis. And uh, <clears throat> I never realized how much I could get frustrated when I lost my voice. But uh, I really feel the Holy Ghost is going to talk to somebody here more than a few people this morning. I'm excited about that. I do want to say that I appreciate Brother and Sister Elder so very much. They, yes. It's all right. It's the will of God. That is the will of God. And... Uh, I've been through more than a few things since uh, claiming him as Lord and Father, Savior. Brother Elder has always been there as a friend and somebody that I could trust as a confidant, and I appreciate that so much. It goes a long ways. We appreciate them so very, very much. And it's good to be back at Christian Growth Center. My, how you've grown, and it looks good real good and I feel in the Holy Ghost this morning that it's far from over for this church that's all I can say I can feel the pulse of the Holy Ghost in this place today amen hallelujah amen uh, if you would turn with me to 2nd Kings chapter number 6 Praise God. Hallelujah. If you've got it, say amen. Second Kings chapter number six. And verse number one, the sons of the prophets said unto Elijah, Behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. 
let us go we pray thee unto Jordan and take thence every man all the men say man Amen. unto Jordan and take thence every man a beam and let us make us a place there where we may dwell and he answered go ye and one of the men said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servant. And he answered, I will go. And he went with them, and when they were come to Jordan, they cut down wood. They were working together. They were cutting down wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? Where did you lose it? And he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. A notable miracle took place. Therefore said he, Take it up to thee, and he put out his hand, and he took it. Verse number five, But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, Master, for it was borrowed. I want to talk to us this morning about recovering your cutting edge. There's more than a few here this morning that the Holy Ghost has sent me and already told me that I'm absolutely in the Holy Ghost to talk to you about recovering your cutting edge. Let's put our Bibles down and pray to the Lord right now. Father, we love you and praise you in this place. Father, we ask that your anointing would be upon this man of God. I love you and I praise you and I worship you. alone, but upon us. Upon him to speak and upon us to hear. Upon us to receive and to respond, O God, to your word. We give you great praise in this place. Father, we didn't come here casually. Just out of happenstance just because we had nothing else to do but we want to hear from God and receive from the hand of the Lord this morning hallelujah praise God God bless you you may be seated some interesting things about this portion of scripture that I find uniquely relevant to where this congregation is and I don't know everything about you, but I know enough to know that there's a few things here, at least here in my initial remarks, that you may be able to relate to. They were in a building program. They saw the need for more room. They saw that uh, the place where we dwell is too straight for us. It became, the walls began to close in. The crowd was coming and growth necessitated that there is a larger facility that is needed. And so they collaborated together and went to work. And in the midst of this building program, there is something that was lost in the midst of moving forward and pursuing growth, pursuing the will of God, pursuing God's program for not only the larger picture, but also individually pursuing God's will. And in the midst of that environment, 
that which was borrowed, it was given to us, was lost. And it fell. And um, it is so easy in the midst of our daytimer type of mentality and culture with all these palm pilots and busy schedules and the hecticness of life to wear out, stress out, burn out. Am I preaching to somebody? That you can lose some things that are given to you by God to perform the perfect will of God. The important thing that we need to understand is, is that is the thing that was given to us that is going to get the job done. It is not just our being here this morning. And God bless everybody that's here. And I believe you need to be in the house of the Lord when the doors are open and the lights are on. But to every one of us is given a cutting edge to perform the perfect will of God. And it can become so easy with the morass of complexities of life and the direction of life and the purpose that we have in the house of God to lose our cutting edge. In verse number six, he says, alas, for it was borrowed. I'm sorry, verse number five, he said, alas, for it was borrowed. It was not his own. It was enablement and endowment that was given to him from God. It was cap capability that was given from God. It was blessing. It was calling. It was ability. It was placement. It was opportunity. It was strength. It was desire. It was vision. It was burden. It was direction that was given from God. It's not our direction. It's God's direction. It's not our vision. It's God's vision. Come on, I'm already preaching. It's not our power. It's God's power. It's not my gift. It's God's gift. It's not my purpose, it's God's purpose. It's not my placement, it's God's placement. And in the midst of collaboration with God's people and direction, it fell and was momentary, momentarily lost. It is possible to lose that, that is given to us from God. Let's just lift our hands right now. And let's already allow the Holy Ghost to begin to focus on some things. I love you, Jesus, and I praise you. I'm going to go just a little bit slower than... This is just the way I operate at home. I don't go 90 miles an hour like I did when I was a new convert. If I did, you know, it's one thing to change the diapers of a three-month-old. But when you're changing the diapers of a 30-year-old, somebody's off. And so, you know, he, he reminds me of a lot of people back home that, you know, they want to pinch my cheeks. And, oh, Brother Mayo, let's see you run the aisles. And I've been pastoring for a while now. I've been in full-time ministry for a while now. So if I just don't go crazy, we'll go crazy tonight. Is that all right? In fact, you bring somebody back with you, they're going to get the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm believing a young man that I talked to at the 7-Eleven. Uh, to come tonight, talk to him a little bit. He said that he was going to come. He's not here this morning. 
we'll believe God for him to be here tonight. Amen. The key to recovery of your cutting edge is so graphically illustrated here and is a principle that is established that God still honors today. And the key to recovery was and is your relationship with the man of God. Notice with me the chain of events that takes place here in 2 Kings chapter number 6. Um, the individual that is enabled, um, and God is no respecter of persons when you initially come to God and you're baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, all of us have an endowment and an enablement that is given to us from God. It may differ because he gives, gives gifts severally as he wills, but we all have a empowerment and an endowment that is given to us individually from God. Notice that the very first thing that happened as he was working with his um, cutting edge, that he recognized that something was missing. Too often, I think, that we become, we become proponents, maybe even unconsciously, that we find a place in God's kingdom we are accepted, we become known by our cutting edge or our giftedness or our zeal or our desire. And even when it's missing, we may continue to act like it's still there. Not because we are evil people or that we are liars or we somehow are trying to hoodwink good people, but somehow we don't know what's going on. Sometimes we cannot get in touch with that particular area of our lives, but we know that something is not right. Something is amiss. Something is not like it was. Am I preaching this morning? I didn't come here to put my finger on you. I came here to tell you that God is going to restore you. It's not the will of God that just the women worship God. There's some men in this building that God wants to give you your cutting edge back and you can find your anointing back. Come on, somebody. But this man recognized that something was missing, and he was, um, he was willing to be honest, even at the sacrifice of being either criticized or misunderstood. He confessed. He professed. He said, alas, master, it, uh, it was borrowed, and it's now gone. When he came to the man of God and became transparent, to the man of God. The man of God asked him, where did you lose it? I believe that I'm preaching to people here this morning that if we could really be honest with the introspection of the Holy Ghost, we know exactly where it was. We know exactly when it was. We know exactly how it happened. We know exactly the time it took place. The man of God simply asked him. The man of God didn't, didn't ask him to humiliate him, to shame him, to embarrass him. The man of God said, where did you lose it? And only then did the man of God locate it. Now here's the miracle. After the individual did his part. And the man of God did his part. Now God did his part. And it floated back to him. Come on, let's praise the Lord right now. 
God will bring it back to you if you'll do your part. God will bring it back to you if you come to the man of God. God will do his part if you'll do your part. And the man of God will do his part. That which was lost will float back to you. And now the individual is once again required to do his part. And the man of God said, literally it said, they cut down a stick and cast it in thither. And the iron did swim. When they worked together and the, and the individual that lost that that was originally given to him obeyed the man of God. I want to tell you the ministry is under attack this morning. Hallelujah. Our cult people are becoming so culturized and homogenized that much of the ministry that is outside these walls believes the only way that they can build a church is to minimize their responsibility and their position. I want to tell you the man of God is still the man of God. He can be trusted. I said he can be. I said he can be trusted. The man of God can be trusted. Leadership is under fire in this hour. When the President of the United States can commit an immoral act in the White House, he did not sin against the power of the presidency. He sinned against the authority of the president. Power and authority are not the same thing in the Bible. They're two different words. One is exousia and one is dunamis. You don't cast out the devil with the dunamis. You cast out the devil with the authority. And when you lose your authority, you can jump and shout and run the aisles and speak in tongues. But some of us need our authority back. That's real power. That's power that the sons of Sceva didn't have. That's power that the devil understands. You can run these aisles and lift your hands and shake like a leaf on a tree. But if you've lost your authority and your cutting edge that affects the spiritual domain, God wants to give it back to you today. Come on, let's clap our hands and let these rafters roar. Yes! Today is the day I'm going to get it back. I'm not going to play games in other service. I'm going to get it back. And when the individual took the advice of his pastor, cut down a stick. That's pretty out of the ordinary. I'm not going to be able to take a little stick and get that because I know that that stick is not strong enough. But when he obeyed, God honored his obedience. And the Bible says that the iron did swim. That which was weighty and heavy and beyond the reach of your own self-made efforts. The, the iron did swim. The axe had floated back. 
but it didn't float back into his hands. It floated back to the recommendation of the man of God. And it was drawn to the advice of the pastor. We think well, we can just take care of it in the shadows. You know, nobody needs to know about it. And I can just find a closet of prayer and me and God can just, there's some things you can do. There's only one mediator, mediator between man and God. But there's some things that you're going to need the man of God for because he's got an elevated position. He's got to come on somebody. He's, he can see things you can't see. When you view him through the office as a man, you're going to miss it. But when you view him through the office of a God called, God positioned, God anointed man, he sees things. And his advice is according to what he sees. The prophet could see it. He said, there it is. Put your stick in that direction. And God will honor the fact that you've obeyed. And the iron did swim. And when the iron got that, got to the stick, this is what the man of God said. Take your hand out. Get a hold of it. Hang on to it. Let's lift our hands. God, I'm going to hang on to this. Don't ever turn it loose again. You've got to take it up. You get a hold of it. You grab it. And don't ever let it go again. Come on, somebody, let's pray. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning talking to somebody right now. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I know that you've probably heard much of this before, but just for the sake of uniting it with this understanding that's already been brought to you, I'm going to articulate this so that you can understand how God views the man of God. Ephesians chapter number four, I know that you were probably familiar with this passage, verse number 11. The Bible said, and he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. Look at the duality there. One involves character. The other one involves ministry. And they are, they are linked together. Your, your private life, your character is what produces your ministry. Um, to only have a ministry in the public arena only sets you up for great failure and sets you up for a warfare that you're not designed to endure. This was the problem with the sons of Sceva, getting back to this exousia being the authority, is that they saw, they saw Paul casting out devils in the name of Jesus. And they went and tried to, they, you know, they were vagabond Jews. They couldn't submit to anybody. They were, you know, they couldn't submit to authority. And that already gives us an indication right there. And they thought, well, you know, if the pastor can do it, I can do it. And they went out there and tried to cast out the devil. And one devil stripped seven of those boys. And they became totally ashamed. Shame and nakedness is always tied together in the Bible. And this is what the unclean spirit said. Jesus I know and Paul I know. But who are you? 
Now, what did Jesus and Paul have in common? They were both under authority. And only by remaining positioned can we have the proper character produced in us, which brings about the proper ministry. You don't have a ministry without character. We need to take off our rose-colored glasses. I know that we're in the midst of a charismatic world that is trying to get you to promote your gifts and find you. I want to tell you what, your first gift is to submit. And the Holy Ghost gives you the ability to think that submission is the greatest thing that ever happened to me. It protects you. It empowers you. It strengthens you. It enables you. You do not have authority if you are not under authority. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. Now you can have dunamis, Holy Ghost, lift your hands, run the aisles kind of power. But I'm talking about real power that brings influence among men. Hallelujah. Interestingly, in Luke chapter 10, when Jesus sent out the 70... He gave them power. Exousia. The Holy Ghost was not yet available according to John chapter 7, verses 7, 37 through 39. So the power that Jesus gave them was the authority. And in Ephesians chapter number 4, when we are under the authority and we submit to the gifts, God views your pastor as a gift to produce in you the perfection of character for the work of the ministry. The work, a better translation says, for the work of their ministry. Everybody has a ministry. Everybody needs an axe head. Everybody needs to go to work. We're, we don't need to club a tree with carnality and carnal programs and carnal procedure and just going through the motions to make it look like we're getting something done. When your cutting edge hits, friends, you only need to hit it one time. You're going to get the job done. When the cutting edge is swung back, it produces a work for God. When the, when the cutting edge is swung, God gets the glory. Ezekiel chapter number 3. God gave specific command to Ezekiel. He said, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. Now, I want to tell you something. Nobody wanted this watchman on the wall job. He was the first dude to get bumped off if you were going to get in that city. He was the one that made sure that you could, you know, get a good night's sleep on that beauty rest mattress of yours or whatever you got. The fact that people could safely trust in the watchman made them feel at ease at night. And so there was, a, there was a trust factor. But the watchman on the wall was the one that the robbers and thieves knew. In order to get in and mess with that church, I got to mess with the watchman. I got to take him out. And so there weren't many takers to the job. Because he was the first guy to get shot. Yeah. Point number two. 
he had an elevated position and could see what was happening inside and outside. He could not only see what was going on inside, but he could also see the dangers that were coming in from the outside. So he had a different perspective, an elevated perspective, if you please, an exalted perspective, not for the exaltation of flesh, but for the purpose of being able to be a seer. So he can see things that you and I can't see. And this is what he was to say from that position. When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. And also goes to say that if you do tell him what I tell you to say according to his iniquity, and he doesn't do what you tell him to say, and he still dies, I will not require his blood at your hand. Meaning that he has a responsibility to say what God wants him to say, not what you want to hear. Come on, somebody. There's churches being built in the thousands. That all their program includes is telling people what they want to hear and some program with some Christian rock band. Friend, what we need is a man of God that can help me produce a ministry so that God can get the work done. Oh, hallelujah. The man of God was entirely responsible to save that, that individual's life according to what he saw and what he was to tell him. According to 1 Peter chapter number 5, the Bible tells us that the man of God is to be an example to the flock. Another translator said that he is to be the pattern whereby we are to follow and pursue. Interesting thing about Peter. In Luke chapter number 22, I, I believe, P Jesus predicted Peter's failure. He said, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. That means shake you up and down. And he said, but I prayed for you that your faith fail not. Now notice the next line. This is the key. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now don't miss me. Everything's hinged on this this morning. The word converted means to come back or to be restored. Peter, I see your failure. I see you dropping the ball. But when you are recovered, use what you've learned to help your brethren. Let's lift our hands and ask the Lord to help us. The Holy Ghost is talking to more than a few in this place today. You need not live another week without being restored to your original place in God. In fact, there's several here today. I've already felt in the Holy Ghost I could point you out. I wouldn't do that to embarrass you. I wouldn't, I'm not going to do it lest I 
interrupt what God's trying to already do. But there are more than a few here this morning that are right on board with this, with this preacher. You're going through the motions. You're not a bad person. But you need to be restored. You need to recover your cutting edge. Probably, undoubtedly, one final factor of the man of God in our lives is that he is a recovery specialist. Now there's plenty of horror stories out there and you don't have to look very far to find horror stories where people were abused by ministry. I heard the story I hope this is alright but I just want to let you know that I totally empathize with people that have been abused or misused. I heard the story of a, an evangelist that was preaching in the south that was um, he was in the evangelist quarters and one night the pastor came and knocked on his door and said come on get dressed I want you to go with me and they got in the car together and they drove out to the edge of town and driving down an old rutted dirty road they saw a scantily clad woman staggering obviously she was inebriated and uh, this pastor just got up right behind her, put on the brights, tapped on the horn. This woman turned around and became disorientated in her drunken state and fell into a ditch that was by the side of the road there. The pastor had a handkerchief over his face so she couldn't see, and he said, look, this is what happens to backsliders. The evangelist said, stop this car and let me out of here. The pastor said, where do you think you're going? He says, I am getting down in that ditch. He says, you're not getting out of this car. He said, I am getting out of this car. And he got out of that car and got down into that ditch with muddy, murky Texas water up to his knees and helped that disoriented woman up and walked with her over a quarter of a mile to her front door and she turned she said who are you and he said it doesn't matter he doesn't matter I'm telling you there's a pastor sitting up on this platform that's not afraid to get dirty and get out in the, into the muck and the mire to pull somebody out I'm telling you because I'm the same way there's people hallelujah that I'll work with I'll go to the utter extreme you say a man of God shouldn't do that you're looking at one that will do that you're looking at one that's not afraid to get his hands dirty you're looking at one that's not afraid to pray he's not afraid to fast he's not afraid to pray for your children he's come on somebody he is a recovery specialist. He's a recovery specialist. Luke chapter 15, one of the most beautiful stories of that which was lost that is recovered. You know the, the vignettes, the illustrations that are given there is that first there was a lost sheep and there was a lost coin. And then there was a son. 
and in those three developments of lostness the sheep of course strayed away <clears throat> the lost coin the man of God had to move the furniture had to get under the anointing and get some illumination and begin to sweep out the corners so that he could recover if you turn with me to second Timothy chapter number two I'm coming to a close here this morning Second Timothy chapter number two. In order, Paul is writing to the young pastor at Ephesus, Timothy, his son in the Lord. And he goes through some very general exhortations here. And he is recommending here in 2 Timothy 2, that in order for the pastor, the man of God, to keep his position of clarity and vision. And I want to focus on verse number 24, and he says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, apt to teach, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, and patient, being patient in order to keep that exalted, elevated, visionistic position, he is not to strive. Verse number 25, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. The self-opposition is one that they actually, that which they need and is to their own betterment recovery, recuperation, regeneration, resuscitation, rejuvenation. They focus on the man and they are kept at arm's length that which they truly need and they become guilty of opposing themselves. If God peradventure, that word peradventure is an interesting word. It's an old English word, but it simply means if or would if God would give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Now this doesn't mean an acknowledging of Acts 2.38 and the basic apostolic principles, the foundations that are enumerated in Hebrews chapter 6 verses 1 and 2. That's not what we're talking about here. What it's talking about is the truth, the reality of where you're at. And that God might grant them repentance. God might allow you to see. I've lost it. I'm empty. And that they may recover themselves. Out of the snare of the devil. Who are taken captive by him. At his will. All the man of God can do is show you, reveal it to you, give you direction. 
And if you've lost your cutting edge this morning, God wants to restore that to you. If we can be honest. Let's lift our hands and talk to the Lord right now. <coughs> is talking to some people right now and we're counting the cost if it's a question of inconvenience friend let me assure you it's so worth it it is so worth it if it's a question of well I have to give up this now because I know I'm backslid and I have to give up some things now it's so worth it it's to find your purpose to find that anointing again to find that direction to find that passion to find that fulfillment it's worth everything Hallelujah, Jesus. Religion was never intended to fulfill the inner man. Going through the motions was never intended to satisfy our souls. God has a ministry for you. God's holding it out to you today. Let's stand. Once again, let's lift our hands and lift our voices to the Lord. Dear God, we commit ourselves and our efforts to you this morning, God. God, I pray for your spirit, God, to wrap its arms as the paracletos around somebody this morning and assure them it's worth it. It's worth it. Come on, let's love the Lord. You can't outrun the call of God. You're never going to be satisfied till you just come to grips with the fact that it's gone and I want it back. Oh, Oh, I feel the everlasting arms of the Lord wrapping around somebody here today trying to convince you and assure you that you're safe. It's not humiliation. It's not shame to confess. We'd like every head bowed and every eye closed here for the next several moments. Father, we love you. We praise you. I know I'm in the will of God. I feel more secure in the will of God right now than I've ever been. 
There's men in this church that God has called you to work side by side with this good man of God. That it's prolonging the revival. In the name of Jesus. God's talking to you this morning, sir. This is not a sign of weakness. This is a sign of greatness. When we become honest, it's promotion day. There's some sisters here today that have allowed a root of bitterness to cloud their perspective. God wants to clear the air. And when you lift your hands, there's going to be that liberty and that liberation that you felt in days gone by. With nobody looking around this morning, this is a very sober moment as a fulcrum for somebody's future, standing between somebody's future and their past. If you'd like us to continue to pray for you and believe that God is going to respond to what was preached today, could you just hand up right now? Preacher, I know you're talking to me. I know. Come on, nobody's looking around right now because people need to feel safe. While this good church continues to pray, every one of you that have your hands raised, I'm inviting you down here. I want the church to start praying right now because people are coming home. Not home to the church, not home to the body, but home to God's purpose. Come on. There's more out there. I'm telling you there's more. There's some of you that are struggling right now with getting right with the man of God. I'm telling you. I'm telling you I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. You're counting the cost of letting the pastor be the pastor. But I'm telling you there is no comparison to what God will open up to your life when you allow the man of God to be postured in a God-called posture in your life. Come on, church, let's pray. You that are in this altar, let's lift our hands. And let's begin to make our petitions known. God, I know I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Friend, I wouldn't wait till there's a tragedy in my life. I wouldn't wait till God brings something that causes me to be honest. God has put his spirit of love here today in this great scenario of agape love and confidence. You're, you're safe here today. You're safe. God's reaching for you, friend. God's reaching for you. I'm talking to a young man this morning that you're thinking, well, there's more out there than there is in here. I'm telling you, God's already got the right one selected for you if you'll give it to God. Come on, let's pray, church. I'm asking some of you faithful members to come forward and lay a hand on one of these in this altar here that are desperately seeking God to find their place and find that axe head again so they can swing it in the will of God and they can be used of God and can build the house of the Lord. 
They're not just the sawdust on the floor. They want to be used of God. I'm inviting this church to come up here and find somebody and help them pray. Come on, church, everybody. Let's all come into this altar this morning and find somebody. come on home friend work shoulder to shoulder with God's finest that's why God put you here that's why God brought you here Don't stop until you touch God and God's touched you. That's right, that's right, that's right. Yes! Holy Ghost!
Come on, let's praise Him. Holy Ghost is here today. The Holy Ghost is here to restore. What could be greater than being restored to purpose and direction? Everybody in this church, find somebody to pray with. Come on. There's people up here that are praying, that are earnestly seeking, hallelujah, this pathway of restoration. Come on, find somebody and pray with them.
Come on, church. The Holy Ghost is moving here this morning. Come on. The Holy Ghost is moving in this order right now.